Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 8. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 8. As we're continuing with the Gospel Record of Luke and observing the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember that the Gospel Record of Luke is going to uh, put a great emphasis on the three and a half years of the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we hit chapter 8, we have a little bit of fast forward in time that we saw the early parts of the Lord Jesus' ministry. Now we come towards more of the middle end of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry as we start seeing uh, things progress, time passed on, Jesus is teaching, he's been instructing the disciples, not just the twelve, but also others around them, and he's actually going to prepare to use them. And with this, we could see that he begins to teach some lessons, uh, some stringent lessons, some important lessons for those disciples who are following after them. And as we have a desire to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, we can also see that these lessons also apply to us. And so we we find our way to the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 8. The gospel record of Luke in chapter number 8, and let's begin looking at verse number 1. The gospel record of Luke chapter 8, notice with me in verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of uh, Cursera, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together, they came unto him out of every city. He spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? He said, <coughs> And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those that came by the wayside, they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, for 
which for a while believe and in the time of temptation fall away. And they which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that which on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel or put it under a bed, but setteth on a candlestick that they may see, or which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him it shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him it should be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Then cameth to him his mother and brethren, for they could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brother stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. And with this, we cover a parable here that is commonly called the sower and the seed. The parable of the sower and the seed. And with this, we want to understand what Jesus is explaining here. And one of these most important parables that Jesus spoke as is applies to us growing and listening and letting the word of God work, the parable of the sower and the seed. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we now come to you, I'm just asking that you would just give us grace and that you would give us understanding. And Lord, I am very conscious of how important this parable is. And Lord, I understand that we have to prepare our own hearts, that we have to have a heart to hear. We have to have ears ready to hear. And I'm asking that these good folks tonight, that they have prepared their heart. If not, let them take a moment and be ready to hear. Maybe there's some distraction. Maybe there's some cares. Maybe there's something that's just keeping them from focusing. Lord, I'm asking that all tiredness would go away. That with a purposeful, intentional heart, they would be crying out to you and say, God, let me understand. Let me have ears to hear. And that you would help us to grow as we ought with the application of this message. And again, because I cannot do it myself, it has to be you and your spirit. I beg to be filled with your spirit. That you do your own work through your word. And that we could trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As chapter 8 begins, we can see the Lord Jesus Christ ministry is just... (laughs) blossoming, that people are following, people are learning, people are getting healed, and because they're thankful, they're turning around, and they're helping provide for the ministry, and they're continuing to move forward. Now, as many people have come out from different places, Jesus takes time with this audience to teach them a parable. And in this parable, which is often called the parable of the sower and the seed, he tells a story of a sower who's going out with seed. And you can imagine a man with a basket or a bucket, and he has... What he's doing is he's tossing seed left and right and he's trying to get the seed out. And as he's tossing the seed out, again, his job is just to get the seed out. 
the hope is, is that it's going to land to a place where it's going to grow. But his job, the sower's job, is just to get the seed out. And as the seed goes out, it lands on different um, soils. One, it lands on like a pavement where it's just hard, just trodden down, as it said. If you can imagine a pathway that's been walked over and over and over and over and it's got a trail that's nailed down. If in our time of thinking about a street, thinking about pavement, where it's just, you're not going to go crops. Then some of the seed lands in some rocky soil. So you can imagine like a flower bed that you're trying not to get weeds to grow into. And yet the weeds happen to continue to grow in that, that uh, soil. Maybe it's in the cracks of the sidewalk. But the seed goes and it happens to find purchase and it's growing anyways. There are some that it goes into a weed bed. And what happens is the plant comes up and the weeds end up choking the life out of it. Taking the nutrients out. And then there's some that land on good soil and it grows up and it reproduces a hundredfold. Well, as Jesus is telling this, the other gospel records make a bigger deal of this. That the disciples come up to him and say, Jesus... Not only what does it mean, but why do you speak in parables? And that's a good question. Why does Jesus speak in parables? And that's the first thing I want to kind of cover before we cover the actual parable itself. Is the purpose of parables. The purpose of parables. Now some people believe that the Bible and the parables. We're going to use the parables in specific. The Bible in generic. Is written in some sort of code. That you have to have some super spiritual line to figure it out. That there's some kind of code within there. And that, it, that you can't understand the Bible as it is written. In fact most people have a hard time understanding the Bible. And they said, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to read it. I don't understand these parables. And many people would come and say, Jesus, we don't understand. That's a good question. In fact, notice this is brought up in verse number 9. And his disciples asked him, Jesus, saying, what might this parable be? Verse number 10. And he, and he said unto you, the disciples, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But... To others in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Pause. So Jesus when he's speaking this some people would think well the reason why he's saying this is because it's hidden code. Actually it's not. The purpose of parables and other uh, <laughs> cross references will bring this out a little bit more. But the idea of parables is not to hide truth. In fact it's to reveal truth but only for those who put forth the effort of listening. That's the whole purpose of it. Is that do you want to know? Are you seeking for God? Remember God gives promise after promise. That if we seek God that he would be found. And some people have the idea that God's always playing spiritual hide and seek. That every time we look around the corner he just goes around the other side. And that every time we try to get the, get the knowledge of God. It just, it just goes away from us. And. Actually, God wants the opposite. God wants to be found. He just wants us to put forth the effort to look. Do you know the Bible is understandable because it's a spiritual book and it requires us to have spiritual discernment. First of all, being saved and the Holy Spirit within us. But if any time that you say, God, I want to understand your word, God says, that's what I was waiting for. And he opens it up. It is a spiritual book. And the author of the book lives inside of us if you've accepted Christ as your savior. And the author inside of you could very easily tell you what it is. 
But at the same time, those who are not saved cannot understand the Bible because it's a spiritual book. Those who are not right with God cannot understand the Bible. And those who have sin in their life that refuse to get right cannot understand the Bible. And so here he's preventing them from seeing and understanding because it's a spiritual book. But at any time, if they wanted to know and they could get right with God, they could know. God wants us to know truth, but he is putting it in such a way that we have to put forth an effort on our side, that we have to be willing to look for it. And this is the purpose of the parables, and it's the purpose of the Bible. The Bible is not to hide truth. It's meant to reveal truth. It is a spiritual book that we have to have the heart to listen to, which blends into the parable of the of the sowers and the seed, that each of the soils are representing a heart, having a heart that is prepared to receive the word, having a heart that's prepared to listen to the word. If we look at the Bible with with wrong motives, with our own preconceptions, or with a lazy attitude, the meaning of the Bible is going to be hidden. But God desires to reveal himself to us but he wants us to put forth the effort to seek for him. Now, let me put this and let me, if you've never wrote this down or underlined it, put something, you need to. You cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. You cannot, cannot, cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. That God ties our whole life and our following after him and our growth on the word of God. There is no other way to grow in the word of God or to grow in him without the word of God. Now we all know unsaved professors who have read their Bible and yet they don't have an understanding. In fact, I have a message I haven't pulled out in forever that Adolf Hitler knows more, more Bible than you. Did you know Adolf Hitler quoted scripture all the time? He used the Bible as a weapon. But did he have an understanding of the Bible? No. Because he didn't want to understand it. But he read the Bible. Think about that. The Bible (laughs) is made to be understood, but you have to look for it. Now, by the way, that also means you don't need a spiritual guru to understand the Bible. You just need the author, the Holy Spirit. That's a comforting thing. You don't have to go to a person. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. Now, a pastor would be glad to help explain it, but the person you're looking for is the Holy Spirit. For example, as I preach and I'm telling what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit with inside of you should be saying, that's right, that's true, backing up the message, giving that thing. I'm just a messenger boy. It's the Holy Spirit's job to give the understanding. He is the person that we're looking for to give us the understanding. Our part is that we need to have the desire, the right soil, the right preparation. By the way, we've all done that. We've all shown up to service where our hearts are, I'm just showing up here, just checking it off. I'm here. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I mean, there's sometimes where I watch people cross their arms and bless me if you can. I mean, they're going to get a lot of the service. Can't you tell? But there's times that we come up and that we're right with God and that we're prepared and we're saying, God, I want something from your word. And God gives us something from his word. As long as the Bible's open, God's trying to speak to us. The problem is, is that oftentimes we're not prepared. We're not ready. Our soil is not right.
So with that in mind, let's look for as Jesus now gives the interpretation. Earlier in chapter 8, he gives the parable. But now he gives time to explain uh, these soils. Now, if you don't mind, notice with me, if you don't mind, we cover these soils. Notice the first soil here, <laughs> the idea of... Uh, the interpretation, so we know very clearly what we're talking about. Verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Now, before we start talking about the soils, he wants you to know very clearly, the seed is the word of God. There's no misunderstanding. There's no misinterpreting that. The seed is God's word. So what we're talking about is God's word being spread and that the soils of the hearts are being prepared. It's all about God's word. You cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. And all this parable is speaking about is Jesus has a crowd around him as he's talking about the different hearts that the seed is going to go. Our job as the sower is just to get the seed out. But when it lands on the different soils, different things are going to happen. Notice if you don't mind, the first thing that we see here is the seed and Satan. The seed and Satan. Notice with me in verse number 12. By, or those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So it starts off with those that have the treaded path. The path where it's all nailed down, the soil's not loose, it's hardened. And the seed falls upon there and it doesn't get inside of the dirt, it just lays there. And because it's lay there exposed, that dirty bird comes and snatches the seed so that way it doesn't have a chance to be put into the soil and to grow. There are some people like this. There are some people that come to church and they're drugged to church or they're brought to church and they're not ready whatsoever and they just, bless me if you can. Or, and what happens is because they don't have a heart to hear, the word of God goes out and it just sits there and Satan tries to snatch it away because he knows that word will do something if it's left there. And he snatches it away. And there are people that could come from a church service like this and go, I didn't get anything from it. Well, it's not the preacher's problem. It's the soil problem. It fell upon a hard soil. We know that there are times that we are not prepared to listen. There may be times that you may be sideways with the preacher or mad at your job or this or that. And you're not ready to hear. And something that could have helped you the most. Isn't it amazing? The sermon that would help you the most is the one that we miss. Either because we're not here or we're not here. And that's the one that was going to help us. That was the one that was going to change our life. That was the one that was going to revolutionize everything. And God tried to give it to you. And they didn't hear it. So imagine someone come in and they're not saved. And they just got invited. And... <laughs> And God's trying to get them saved. And that seed gets there. And before they can respond, that dirty bird takes it away. Because God wanted to save them. Even them. Nope, 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 nope. And that dirty bird took it before it could do anything in their life. So we start. So with this, we learn a couple things. First of all, as we said, the seed is the word of God. And the word of God will do something. But we also know that there's a spiritual enemy. There's a spiritual enemy who's trying to keep the seed from developing and getting into your heart. From getting in your life. And Satan is going to do everything he can 
to make it where you don't want to go to church, don't want to listen to church, not prepared for church, and everything else. There is a spiritual battle coming on every time the Word of God is open and Satan is trying to take it. Notice, if you don't mind, as it says, those by the wayside are they. Who is this they? These are the they who don't understand parables of the Bible. Satan's trying to take the Word of God away from them as quickly as possible. Now we come to a different soil. In verse number 13, we come to those in the stony ground. Stony ground. Notice with me in verse 13. And they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and at the time of temptation, fall away. So if you can imagine, there's a sidewalk. And in the sidewalk, a seed happens to fall in between the cracks. And amazingly enough, something forms in between the crack. Normally, you don't think of a sidewalk as a good place to grow plants. But it happens that in between that sidewalk, here's a plant that's fighting. And it's trying to grow. The problem is, is it doesn't have deep roots. It may grow up quickly trying to get all the uh, sun it can and trying to use the little nutrients that it has available. But what happens because it doesn't have deep roots, it may spring up quickly, but let any kind of temptation, let any type of hard time come, and that plant withers, wilts, falls over, plucked up. It is very easy to pull that one out. Here's the same thing with the soil. There are some that have a hard ground. There's a little bit that the seed gets in and it gets in there and they get excited. They're thrilled. Yes, this is wonderful. This is great. I want to do this all the time. Next Sunday, <coughs> oh, I got a sore throat. Well, oh, I guess I'm not going to go. They get excited. Oh, preacher, I'm going to follow you all the time. This is great. And then something happens and, well, where are they at? Well, some hard time hit them. You see, these are ones that don't mind serving God as long as it's convenient. But it is never convenient to serve God. Let any type of hard time hit. Let any kind of inconvenience hit. They're gone. They're withered. Gone away. Those people who spring up and get really excited really quick, they bear watching because we need to get them to a place where their roots can grow down. But if they don't, it doesn't take much at all. And they'll quit, fall away. Notice, if you don't mind, we hit another soil. By the way, while we're there, notice <clears throat> in verse 13. <clears throat> excuse me. They on the rock are they which, when here, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root. And for a while, for a while believe. But in the time of temptation, they fall away. They're not prepared to obey. So they die because they don't have the good roots. For the word's sake. It actually says in a different uh, cross-reference, in a different parallel passage, it says, for the word's sake. It's all centered about God's word. By the way, <clears throat> if you don't mind, let's examine a little bit more and let's see what all it says. Notice with me in verse number 14. And they which fell upon thorns are they which, when they've heard, go forth and are choked. Notice this, with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. All right, so here's this. Here is a plant, 
a seed that goes into a bunch of thorns and thistles and weeds. And so it begins to grow, but it has competition that the thorns and the thistles are taking the nutrients. They're taking the sunlight. And so this plant is growing up anemic. It's growing up weak. It's growing up to the place where it's not going to reproduce. By the way, what's the purpose of plants? To reproduce itself. And so here is a plant that's going to grow up weak. It doesn't have enough. Now notice what chokes out the world. Notice here, or chokes this out. Verse number 14 again. They which fell upon the thorns are they which they heard. So they heard God's word and go forth and are choked. What chokes them out? First of all, the cares of this life. The cares of this life. The word care here carries the idea of the worries and anxieties. Are there worries and anxieties that we have to deal with? You bet. But some people can get so absorbed in the cares and the anxiety that they don't grow in the Lord. Instead of living by faith, they're living by sight. I've got this care and I've got this worry and I've got this choking me out. And it chokes the spiritual life out of them because they can't look at God. They're just looking at the cares in front of them. Worries, they're looking at and the thistles and the thorns are are causing them where they don't grow to maturity. Notice something else. We see the deceitfulness of riches and the riches, meaning that I got to worry about finances. Where am I going to get this up? I need this. My kids need this. We all need finances. Not, not a single one of us in here that can't say we can't use it, some kind of finances. But people can get choked out and so absorbed on finances, on bills. Do I have enough? I want you this, I can get this thing. And maybe it's, I want more things and I'm trying to get the finances. And it chokes out their spiritual life. Once again, because they're living by sight and not by faith. They're just looking at what they don't have or what they need or what they want. And it's choking them out and they won't grow because they're not developing faith. Notice if you don't mind something else. Choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. There are some people who can't grow because they need their entertainment. Well, the reason why I didn't show up to church on Wednesday is because my favorite TV show was on. Well, the reason why I couldn't show up on Sunday was because my favorite sports program was on. Well, the reason why I couldn't show up to this special revival meeting is because they're having a marathon of my old TV show that they're showing. You know, and they come up with something. They have some reason and it's pleasures. It's the deceitfulness that comes of other things, the pleasures. We know that there are some people who don't go to church because, ah, it's just too much. It gets in the way of my fun. It gets in the way of my hobby. It gets in the way of other stuff. And they're not going to grow and they're going to be choked out and they're going to be stumped. Notice if you don't mind. It chokes out the word, but notice the end of it, and brings no fruit to perfection. Now notice this, it's trying to bring forth fruit. So if you can imagine that a tomato plant gets stuck into the thorns and thistles, and so the tomato plant attempts to grow, and against all odds, it kind of grows up, and it's weak, and then it tries to get the plant, and you look and say, that's a tomato, it's just all gnarly and nasty and small and you're like I can never eat that it's not even a cherry tomato I couldn't put that on a salad and be satisfied and it's just it's not bringing fruit to perfection it's trying to bear fruit it's trying but it's choked out and it doesn't have enough nutrients it doesn't have enough life by the way where does life come from in the Christian life the bible 
the Bible, the Word of God. And because they don't have the Word of God, they're not getting enough nutrients. They're not being fed. Of course, it's always funny when someone come to a church like this and say, Preacher, I'm just not being fed. It's not a me problem. I'm giving the Word of God. The Word of God's coming out. It's a you problem. How's your Bible reading? Well, I just depend on the preacher. I've heard someone say that. Well, I just depend on the preacher to feed me. Well, then you're starving. You're anemic. If this is the only food you get, you're no wonder you're spiritually anemic. You have to be in the Word of God yourself. And you have to be prepared to read the Word of God and examine it. But you have the responsibility of checking your own soil. I mean, we have enough Bible here and nutrients that someone who doesn't read their Bible can kind of get some sort of plant growing, but they're not going to reproduce. They're not going to be strong. They're always going to be weak and anemic and pathetic and not reproducing all of their Christian life. We know that there are people that could sit in a Baptist church like this for 30 years and never do something and just be weak and anemic and pathetic. And it's not the pastor problem. We're giving out the seed. It's a soil problem. And they're choked out by cares. They're choked out by riches. And they're choked out of the pleasures of the life. It's choking out everything. And making the Christian unfruitful. They're not producing fruit. Which brings us to something else. The soil of good ground. The soil of good ground. Notice with me in verse 15. But, but, that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. I love the gospel record of Luke. This is an important distinction here. An honest and good heart. Do you know that there's some people who are not honest when it comes to the word of God? Yeah, yeah, preacher, I'm with you. But as soon as they're done, they can't wait to go have roast preacher for lunch. There are some people who, I've had this happen before, that they can't wait, they write everything down, and then they go to YouTube and find out what some other person says. It happens. That's not an honest heart. There's an idea. Why were those in, in um, Berea more noble than those in Thessalonica? It wasn't because they searched the scriptures daily where it was so. It's because they received it with a ready heart and searched the scriptures. They received it readily. They were prepared. Lord, you brought me into this church. You're open to the Bible. I want you to give me something with an honest heart. An honest and good heart. That's part of that soil there. That Lord, I want to hear from you. Now, with that, if God's gives you something, he also wants you to obey it. There are some people that say, I don't care what you say, preacher, I'm still not going to obey. Is that an honest heart? Not at all. Are they going to get much out of the message? No. Because God's going to give them something and that seed's going to go away and they're going to go, bye. They're not prepared. But with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. How do you keep it? By obeying it. You say, this is for me. I'm making this a part of my life. And I'm going to do something with it. And what happens is it brings forth, now notice this, with patience. The Bible says in Galatians, it says, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now with that, we see the idea of reaping and sowing, which we're talking here. You understand that if I plant a piece of corn in the ground 
that I'm going to walk away. A couple minutes later, I'm going to look and am I going to have a plant? No. It takes time. Whenever you sow, it always takes longer than when you sowed. But it also gives you the same that you sowed. We'll talk about that in a second. It also multiplies more than you sowed. But that length of time takes time. It takes time for that word to grow. It's not, I give you a message and all of a sudden you're a super Christian the very next service. But you grow it. You keep it. You protect it. You make sure that it gets what it needs. And it will multiply. It will grow. And it just takes time. And it takes patience. That word patience is there. Well, preacher, I've been here a whole week and I'm not even better Christian. Okay. It takes time. There are some people think they need to be a super Christian just a month into it. It takes time, patience, guarding and keeping it. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says that we need to be steadfast because we shall reap if we faint. Not. The word faint is a Bible word that means quit. You shall reap if you faint not. The Bible says this is going to happen. Now notice, if, as we had talked about before, if I plant corn in the ground, am I going to get a tomato? Am I going to get a whale? Am I going to get a cat? No. What am I going to get? Corn. I'm going to get corn that comes out. By the way, this is a law in science called the law of biogenesis. Which means everything reproduces after its own kind. That makes sense. Everything reproduces after its own kind. In fact, the law of biogenesis also states that every healthy organism will reproduce itself. So if there's someone that's not reproducing itself, it's not healthy. Every healthy organism reproduces itself. And so the word of God is going to reproduce the word of God. It's going to produce more word of God. That's why you see in the book of Acts that the word of God was multiplied in those days. It wasn't the idea that there was more word of God written. It was the idea that more people were carrying the word of God with them. So the word of God will produce word of God. What are Christians going to reproduce? Other Christians. Now it's God's business how much we reproduce. It is our job to be available to reproduce. Does that make sense? We have to be prepared because every healthy organism reproduces itself. And part of us reproducing is having the right soil. If I am going to go plant a crop and if I'm a farmer and I want a large crop, I have to prepare the soil. You know, part of that preparing the soil is you have to turn over the fallow ground. That means they go into the hardened spots and they turn it over and make it soft. And that the Bible talks about this in Jeremiah to turn over the fallow ground, to take that hard ground and to turn it over, to allow God to make that, that, that heart, that ground, that soil soft and ready to receive it. That means there's some preparation work before you show up. You can't show up after having a hard day's work and fighting with the kids and doing all of this and show up at church and be ready to receive. There should be a preparation. There should be something where you take time when you get to church and pray and meditate. When, when do you start preparing for Sunday morning? Saturday night. Especially for those who have us who have kids. You make sure that you set up the kids' clothes on Saturday night. You make sure you find where their shoes are. Because guarantee their shoes are going to come missing if you didn't find them. 
You're going to get everything prepared. What are you going to do for meals? Have all of that prepared so you don't have to worry about it. Don't can't tell you how many times people have come screeching in in two wheels and had World War III in their car and then they all step out and smile and bless you, bless you. Are they prepared to listen? Not at all. There is, the preparation work is important. You are not just going to show up to church and be ready to receive. There is some preparation work that you should be doing. You should already be in your Bible. If you show up on Sunday morning and haven't been in your Bible, you're not prepared to listen. You need to be in the Bible for yourself on Sunday morning. Wednesday, you should already have been in your Bible all that week. If you haven't been in the Bible all that week, your heart is not going to be as prepared as it ought to be. If you're fighting and fussing, there may be times that you say, I need to show up to church early because I have all these cares in the world and I need to set them aside and spend some time to get rid of them so I'm ready to listen. It makes all the difference if your heart is prepared. Now with this, Jesus goes from the parable of the sower to the parable of light. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 16. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. Now pause. Now remember, they didn't have light switches and electricity, so they did everything with candles. And so you would have a candle, and it was the purpose, not for scents, not for make pretty uh, smells like we do today, but it was for the purpose of seeing. And so if the sun has gone down and you have a candle, you don't have it underneath a clay jar, so everything's dark. Well, the candle's lit. Yeah, but nobody can see it. It doesn't do any good. You have to have the candle. If you have the candle lit, then it needs to shine out. It's meant to shine. That's its purpose. Verse number 16 again. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. Now again, He's not trying to hide the truth. This is going to the same thing with the word of God. He's not trying to hide the truth. He's trying to make it so it can be seen. Verse number 17. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. Neither anything hid that it shall not be known and come abroad. So here he's saying, listen, you need to take heed because I'm not trying to keep things secret. I'm trying to let things be revealed. I'm trying to show them to you. I'm supposed to make it so it's manifest. So it's easily seen. That nothing is hid. I want things to be known. Now this is important. Jesus isn't doing Bible codes. He's not doing a secret message. That every third letter of the fourth paragraph. Or anything like that. He wants you to understand what it says. And the God wants you to understand. He wants people to understand the Bible. Notice it goes on in verse 18. So with this, he's making the application, take heed therefore how you hear. Notice that phrase. He says, take heed how you hear. That's all with the idea of the soils. How are you ready to hear? Are you hearing half-heartedly? Are you ready to hear? Are you prepared to hear? Are you listening to something else? Do you have some other music inside of your head where the preacher's going on and just nodding your head making it look like you're listening? Be careful. Take heed how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him it shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken 
even that which he seemeth to have. Now, this is going to be an important warning. We understand that not all people, not all places preach the same. Now, forgive me, but we believe that we teach the Bible very clearly here. In fact, you have a privilege that a lot of people don't have in this type of preaching that we have. You know what that means? You're more responsible. There's more expected out of you. There may be someone in there who maybe not taught very well and he does the best he can just opening the Bible and trying to explain it. And <laughs> the people are expected to be obedient to what they have. You have a privilege of having someone who's teaching the Bible, trying to be clear, try, giving you a lot of Bible, walking it through, making it make sense. You are more responsible. You are more accountable. And when you stand before God, there is a lot more expected from your life, from your soil, from your fruit than other people. You said, well, then I need to go to a different church. Well, that's up to you. But you have a privilege here and God is expecting you to thrive. There's not a single person who comes to this church that could not be a strong Christian if they listened. I understand that's not true of all churches. All we can do is for this one, there's a lot required of you. You have a privilege that a lot of people don't have with this type of Bible preaching, this type of Bible knowledge. And there is an expectation that you have to produce more fruit. Remember, it's up to God to produce fruit. But for you to be ready to produce fruit than other people may have. Does it make sense? That's a huge responsibility. There should be a maturity level that comes from this church that people say, oh, they came from that church, they're going to be a strong Christian without even knowing you because they know what type of preaching we have here. If you could forgive the personal illustration, <laughs> the churches in Wisconsin think that everyone that comes here are super Christians. Because of the pastor that they have. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to, I'm saying this is what others say. There's an expectation that there are special things coming from this church. Yeah. By the way, it will come and I'm expecting it. But you have the responsibility as we're throwing out the seed to be listening and ready to respond to it. Because one day you're going to stand not before preacher and not before the other preachers, but you're going to stand before God. And God's going to say, I gave you all of these tools. Why didn't you grow? I gave you all of these advantages. Why didn't you produce? And that's a big deal. And this is what God is saying here. Is that in the millennial kingdom, when you stand before God in the judgment seat of Christ. There's a lot more expected from you because of the type of preaching we have than others. Now that shouldn't be a scary thing. Though it is a little bit. It should be an exciting thing. God's got big plans for us. God's got great things for us. Because of the word of God. And we're putting a premium on the word of God. Not our thoughts and our opinions. The word of God is going to blossom and do wonderful things. That's why we say all the time that the greatest days of this church are still ahead. Because we're expecting the word of God to bloom. We're expecting it to blossom. We're expecting to reproduce. We're expecting good things because the word of God will do a work. And as long as we're prepared, as long as we're obedient, as long as we're ready to listen, God is going to do some amazing things because his word will not return void. Now that's a big deal. 
We need to respond. Now, again, as we're talking about this principle of light, we've brought it up several times. Bring it again. Here's the principle. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Sound familiar? It's because it's the word of God. That as we obey the word of God, he's going to give us more light. And as we obey that light, he's going to give us more light. As we obey that light, he's going to give us more light. And as we do that, God is going to blossom. He's going to grow. He's going to mature. And wonderful things are going to happen. And we could say that with a surety, not because of the pastor, but because of the word. Because the word of God will not return void. Now notice as he finishes this up, verses 19 through 21, almost sounds like a little side thing. But... He teaches something important. Verse 19. Then came to him his mother and his brethren. So we know that he had half brothers and half sisters. And his mother Mary. His mother and his brethren came. And they could not come to him before the press. Remember there's tons of people there. And they're trying to get through. Pardon me I need to get to Jesus. We all need to get to Jesus. And they can't get through. So someone sends a message. Hey Jesus your, your folks. Your family's out here. And it was told to him by certain. Which said thy mother and thy brethren stand without. Desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these, notice this, which hear the word of God and do it. Now this is still saying the same thing. God has given us the word of God and we have the expectation of doing it. This God will hold us in a special regard as we obey his word. All of this is saying the same thing. We have the responsibility to have our hearts prepared. Ready to not only hear God's word, but to keep it. To obey it. To do it. And as we go forward, the light's going to give us more light. As we go forward, God is going to use us to reproduce and see more word spread out. More people come to know Christ. More people responding. More people obeying because of us doing what we're supposed to. That as we're obeying God's word and doing it, listening, preparing, that God is going to hold us in a special regard, a special place for those who hear the word of God. So let me just ask you, what is the soil of your heart? I understand that from time to time it could change and we could have bad days. I understand that. But I'm talking about the general soil of your heart. On a service to service basis. Are you still at the place where you go, I can't wait to get to church. I want to hear what God's going to give to me. I can't wait to find the thing to obey. Maybe you're at the place where, well, I enjoy church, but this and this and this and the thorns are choking it all out. And there was one time you were excited, but now it's just, I'm showing up, but everything else is in the way, just in the way and it's choking out. Is it the type of thing where, well, I'll listen to him, but I'll choose whether I want to obey it or not. People do that. That's the stony soil. Well, I'll think about what I'll obey, think about what I want to obey. Or perhaps there's someone in here, bless me if you can. I dare you. Try. How is the soil of your heart? Remember that your soil has to have some preparation. There should be some work done before you get to church service. You can't just show up to church service cold and say, all right, God, speak to me. Because soon you'll find yourself, 
nodding off. Soon you find yourself bored. When is it going to stop? Start getting to the place where you're like, I wonder what I'm having for supper tonight. I'm hungry. Can I stop by Taco Bell on the way home? You'll start finding yourself wondering, are you prepared? Remember, it takes prep work. That before Sunday morning, your prep work starts on Saturday night. Before Wednesday, there should be things that you've already done and preparing to go. Are, how is the soil of your heart? Now, I understand we're on a Wednesday night crowd. This sounds like it'd be better for a Sunday morning, but God knows what he's doing. He's picking the Wednesday night crowd. It is us, the Wednesday night crowd, that God is going to grow the church through. That we're going to see a lot of fruit. So it's the heart of us that needs to be prepared. Ready to receive, ready to obey, ready to keep it. And God's going to do some wonderful things. But if we get caught up with the cares of the world, we get caught up in not preparing our hearts, we're going to stagnate. We're going to be like that, that, that tomato plant inside of the thorns with a weak little tomato and just can't bring that fruit to perfection. Weak and anemic, stillborn. That's not the type of church that we want. We want church that has power because of his word. Not one that's weak and anemic and barely thriving, barely surviving, just barely there. Where does the difference come from? Remember, the true success of a church is not in its size, but in its likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how many people we have. It matters the quality of the people that we have. The soil quality is the test. If all of us have the right soil, God could do wonderful things here. If our soil is not right, we're going to be pathetic and weak and have no impact on the world around us. How is the soil of your heart? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.